This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 521 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Luthor has an offer you can refuse. Superman's pal gets his own title. Bane cleans up Gotham. Naomi, Zan, and Jaina wrap up their initial runs. Supermobile away! Young Justice travels the multiverse. Black Hammer swaps locales with the Justice League. We need not fear the banana. And Ahoy's second coming. This is how I got my wife to read comics. For Sunday, August 4th, 2019, I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, and you can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Well, we've got four weeks of comics to cover, although this week was also Fifth Wednesday when the industry publishes very few titles. I only had two titles in my poll this week. Don't worry, we've got plenty to go over. DC's Year of Too Many Events is really heating up, including Year of the Villain, with many of the regular titles getting trade dress and a two-to-three-page story tacked on at the end. I picked out one of these at random. Wonder Woman number 75 by Wilson, Zermanico, Marino, Safuentes, and Farjado Jr. This is an anniversary issue. The comics industry is in a sorry state when issue number 75 is considered an anniversary. Diana has been unable to return to Themyscira for quite a while now. It was simply not accessible, and the series has been leading up to her return. She does so via Dimension Chi, a separate universe designed to show Queen Hippolyta how not to do things. Diana is there with her aunt Antiope, also recently found, the goddess Antlantiatus, and Maggie, a young woman who found a magic sword. She reunites with her sisters in Dimension Chi, dances, and then a training montage kicks off. During all this, Grail is holding Hippolyta prisoner on Themyscira. Some of the Amazons there have turned on their queen. So the Chi contingent must fight their own, defeat Grail, and release the queen. After some character moments, they shoot through a dimensional portal and the fight is on. Of course, Grail doesn't fight fair and holds a young girl at knife point. There's a whole story about her, but it's not important right now. Nubia, who has sided with Grail, shoots her in the leg and the fight is over. Mother and daughter reunite. The whole thing seemed rushed. Then we get the clearly tacked on backup story, which all go the same way. A recently defeated villain is visited by a Legion of Doom drone, which provides a platform for a holographic Luthor to give them the offer. A weapon or power to give them their edge against their enemies. In this case, it's Cheetah who gets the call. This is very similar to 1995's Underworld Unleashed, where the demon Neron supercharged various supervillains, many of which were D-listers, in exchange for their souls. I wasn't impressed then, and I'm not now. Superman's Pal, Jimmy Olsen, number one of 12, by Fraction, Lieber, and Fairburn. 
this is one I've been waiting for. <laughs> we got a previous look at this title in a recent Superman title, and it's just as wacky, if not more. We get multiple stories in this issues. Jimmy Olsen's great great grand something in a tale of Metropolis's Orange Den story, where he debates land use with a Luthor. Superman's problem, Jimmy Olsen, where he does a stunt, jumping out of the spaceship and turning into a turtle creature, all for social media hits. Superman stops him from destroying the city. Jimmy Olsen's boss, Perry White, who goes to fire Jimmy again, only to learn that Mr. Olsen is the only thing generating income for the Daily Planet via these crazy social media events. Superman's long-distance BFF, Jimmy Olsen, who is embedded in Gotham just to get him out of Perry's thinning hair, Oh, and the world thinks Jimmy was murdered. The story moves at a frantic pace and makes numerous references to Jimmy's Silver Age title. Just a goofy book. Batman 75 by King, Daniel, Murray, and Gerads. Yet another anniversary issue and the start of King's final story arc before he leaves the title City of Bane. There's been yet another time jump, later... And we see two detectives on the Gotham beat investigating the deaths, plural, of Dr. Double X. Our boys in blue, Joker and Riddler. We also have a new commissioner, Hugo Strange. He lights up the bat signal and Thomas Wayne arrives. Cut to a figure in a parka in frigid wastes. Back to Gotham and the Batcave where Thomas is provided a cup of tea by the ventriloquist. The latter is at first unhappy with the situation before some hypnospiral makes everything okay. Back to the guy in the parka who begins telling a story about a farmer and fate. Back to Gotham and Two-Face conferring with Solomon Grundy and Amygdala when Thomas breaks up the play with Gotham Girl providing additional muscle. Two-Face tries to make himself a hostage and Thomas throws a batarang at his eye, severing the two sides of Harvey's brain and killing the good side. Back to the parka guy who reaches a cabin only to be clocked by a goon. Back to Two-Face where we learn was in organizing a resistance. Instead, he gets a visit from Psycho Pirate, who makes it all okay. Thomas goes up into the mansion where Alfred is being held prisoner. Why doesn't someone come and save him? Well, wait a minute. Alfred tells Thomas that Bruce is coming. Back to the parkas, where the knocked-out guy, Bruce, of course, is woken up to see Selina. There's a whole how-did-they-meet thing. It started on the boat. No, Bat, don't you remember? It was the street. We also get a year of the villain story that actually ties in. It begins with Hollow Luthor speaking to Bane while we see shots of the city. One shot includes Joker and Riddler in the squad room in a perfectly composed shot from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Even nameplates with Santiago and Peralta are scratched out. I guess King is a fan of the show, as are we. We also see Pig, Zaz, Firefly, Hush... Dr. Phosphorus, Mad Hatter, and Killer Croc, all working for justice? Luthor asks Bane what he wants, and it's government sanction of his actions to finally bring law and order to Gotham. In return, he will control the city going forward. Quite the reversal here. Well, King now has to compress his overall story from 110 issues to 80 or so. Brian Michael Bendis' Wonder Comics imprint is reaching a turning point, with some titles ending and others going to a short hiatus until Volume 2, while others are still going strong. Naomi number 6 from Wonder Comics by Bendis, Walker, and Campbell. Our hero's parents and Dee find Naomi's friend, who tells them how she followed the villain back to their world. They then debate next steps. The cops, Star Labs, Adam Strange. Instead, the dad says they should wait. 
Wherever she is now, it's maybe where she belongs. Back on her world, another Earth, Zumbado, the bad guy, explains how everyone there works for a common goal, a.k.a. police state. He shows her how to truly release her true self-powers, which she uses to attack him. He tells her that he is coming for her Earth, and then a mysterious woman, the same one who dropped her off in the first place, her mother, sends her back and tells her to never come back. Naomi returns to Earth Zero and reunites with her family just for a moment. She has to learn about her abilities in order to fight Zumbato when he arrives. So she's off to Naomi 2 and membership in Young Justice based on solicitations. Wonder Twins number 6 from Wonder Comics by Russell and Byrne. The Scrambler is addressing the UN. In 30 days, every single person on Earth will have their mind swapped with a random person. He's already done it to 1 million people. The goal, if you don't know what life you will end up in, you will create a world that works for everyone. The governments of the world make plans. Nuclear arms are taken out of direct control of their leaders. What if a toddler's mind is dropped into the president? Hundreds of new laws are put in place, eliminating poverty, mass incarceration. The Justice League makes every effort to track down the scrambler in time, with plans to go up to the watchtower at the last second if they fail. Luther starts selling a social network designed to find your family members wherever they end up. Meanwhile, the former members of the Legion of Annoyance commiserate in a lexicon prison. Zan tries to get Praying Mantis to spill the beans on Scrambler, and he will if he gets full immunity for all of them, and an HQ that doesn't smell like children and insecticide. Unfortunately, Mantis doesn't really know the details, so he talks to the others, while Jaina, as a fly, listens in, hearing that Polymath is involved. She goes to her house and finds Scrambler there, then argues with them that this is not the way to fix things. The status quo has killed far more people than any attempt to fix it. But it's not your job to fix the world, Polly. No, it's yours. We're down to the final minutes. Jaina realizes that the threat was enough to change things and returns to beg them to stop, but the League has found him taking him into custody. Zan actually did it, turning into water and searching every place molecule by molecule. Of course, the world governments never sign the laws once the threat is gone. Zan is made JL Employee of the Month. Previous winners, GL, Pete, Black Lightning, and Flash. The twins argue, since Earth's best chance at being fixed was just ruined, they decide all they can do is depend on each other. Meanwhile, Scrambler is taken to prison, and when given a chance for his one phone call, asks for an email instead. The title will resume in September. Because he can start the whole scrambling thing with an email. Yep. Hmm... Dial H for Hero number 5 from Wonder Comics by Humphreys, Quinones, Hannah, and Gibson. Miguel wakes up to see a young boy grieving in an alley by his murdered parents. He's in the Heroverse where all original stories begin, and Mr. Thunderbolt is there to talk him through it. Meanwhile, Summer and Snapper consider next steps. Miguel just disappeared there. She decides to continue the quest to find Superman and swipes the Supermobile to do so. Well, I've got 600 miles to figure it out. This flies, right? Back in the Heroverse, we see Diana competing in a mask in bullets and bracelets, then getting the Golden Age costume. Hal meeting Abin Sir and getting the ring, Kara flying out of the rocket at Superman, Barry getting hit by the lightning, then the seven deadly sins going to... the operator? Thunderbolt escapes using others' origins. Robin swearing to find criminals, the Golden Age Black Canary, Golden Age Hawks, Golden Age Aquaman. 
Miguel decides to climb out of the comic panel, then say Thunderbolt's name, which takes us to Robbie Reed's origin. After he was the Dial H guy for a while, he decided to learn of its origin, and in doing so, learned of the multiverse, the bleed, and the speed force, which finally led to the hero-verse itself. A million origin stories are here, some of which come to pass and others not. It's also where you will decide if you will be a hero or a villain. Meanwhile, Summer is passing through Gotham and gets attacked by the cops and villains. I'll get out of your city, I swear. Just tell me, is Metropolis to the right or the left? The operator takes Miguel to his childhood bedroom and talks about legacy after telling him that your origin is not the event that gives you the powers, it's when you decide what to do with them. We learn that Miguel's parents were killed in a plane crash, and he called and called for Superman to save him, but he was too late. Meanwhile, Thunderbolt calls M-E-T-R-O-P-O-L-I-S on the dial, which gives everyone in that city superpowers. Young Justice number 7 from Wonder Comics by Benis, Timms, LaFuente, Hip, and Eltiab. The team has been thrown into the multiverse. The first stop is a world where the heroes are super cute Funko-esque figures. Bart says, oh man, I am going to just eat them right up. Their cyborg, told to get them out of there, doesn't send them home. Well, you need to be specific. They are off to Earth-C with Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew. Again, Bart is enchanted by the cuteness, while the others think they are going insane. The multiverse mallet takes them on to Kingdom Come. I know it's the point, but that protest shirt, referring to Superboy, is in poor taste. They try to explain their situation. Well, I'm the clone of Superman and Lex Luthor, and the clone of what? And then captured until things can be figured out. The team sees what happened in that world and asks, we just want to go home. The sons and daughters of the Bat Attack, they team up to stop them, which establishes their bona fides. Dr. Fate is called in to send them home. Ah, yes, the one with all the crises, then does so. Oh, oh what? I forgot to carry the two. They have been sent to the worst Earth, which we will see next issue. Wonder Comics are my favorites now. Yeah. I love all of them. Yep. Black Hammer Justice League number one from Dark Horse DC by Lemire, Walsh, and Picos. Lemire is a longtime DC star, but his best work has been elsewhere with Essex County, Descender, and Royal City. He's had a lot of success with Black Hammer, a strange tribute to classic comic book teams, and a favorite title of ours. Now Hammer's team meets, or will meet, DC's preeminent team. We begin at the farm, so this takes place earlier in the Black Hammer continuity, where Talkie Walkie continues his quest to get a signal outside the town they are trapped in. Each of the characters get a moment for introductions, then Dragonfly says, Something is happening. A stranger comes to town. Back in the DCU, the League is fighting Starro again when Diana says, Something is happening. A stranger comes to town. Back on the farm, the stranger says the farm will be a perfect getaway for a few friends of mine. He tells them that he's there to offer them their heart's desires. Back to the League, he tells them they deserve a break. Some freaky Friday action later, and the Hammer team find themselves in a city. Gale tries her magic word, but no dice. Now they have to deal with Starro. Back at the farm, and the Trinity are there, and it's been ten years. Bruce is trying to get a signal out, just as they were before, Clark tells him to put his tractor back together, and Diana tells them both to just accept it. Meanwhile, Colonel Weird finds himself in space, confronted by the Green Lantern Corps. 
The Orville, New Beginnings number one of two from Dark Horse by Goodman, Cabeza, and Etia. I'm a big fan of Seth MacFarlane's Star Trek pastiche, which is getting a third season and moving to Hulu, and the comic is being written by one of the show's creators. In continuity, the action happens between seasons one and two. They're on a boring science mission, and Ed uses it as an excuse to take Gordon and present at an outpost conference, sticking Kelly with the dull job. Their shuttle comes along an old buoy, and they follow a distress signal to a planet. Meanwhile, Bordas decides to get son Tuva into the ship's school, and Kelly meets teacher Cassius. Alara pushes her to date him. They will, of course, later date. Back to the shuttle, where they find the remains of a space battle, then go down to the planet, where they are shot at and crash land. They find a deserted town with traces of radioactivity and a tent city filled with aliens. They are greeted as honored guests, and they find a planetary union ship buried in the sand. It's the ship that shot at them. Hmm. Second Coming, number one from Ahoy Comics by Russell, Pace, Kirk, and Troy. This is a title with an interesting history. It was announced as a DC Vertigo title, then the subject matter spooked them, the title was let go, and it was picked up by Upstart Ahoy Comics. I'm not sure what they were thinking. While the topic could be considered controversial, it's not like the DC editors didn't know about it in advance. Oh, and the subject matter? Jesus returning to Earth to train with a superhero. We begin with Adam and Eve, and God is really obsessed with the whole Apple thing. We make our way through the Bible stories, all of which are really about God taking revenge. Jesus is born, and later God checks in on him. Wait, they're arresting him? What's that cross for? What? This is what I get for having an only child. Cut to modern times, and Sunstar, basically Superman, is fighting crime. God is impressed and tells his son, if you were like him, your troubles would be over. Sheila Sharp, a.k.a. Lois Lane, is in a relationship with Sunstar, who misses a meeting with an adoption counselor. Back to heaven, where God is playing with the new arrivals. Oh, there's been a mix-up. You've been scheduled for the Lake of Fire. Ha ha ha, I'm just busting your meat. He then visits Sunstar and Sheila in bed, dropping off Jesus, hoping he will learn how a real hero handles his chili. So the unlikely duo go off on patrol. Sunstar beats up the bad guys while Jesus heals them. When Jesus sees a cross on a church, he declares a trigger warning. Why would they make such a big deal out of the fact that I was crucified? Like that's what was important about me. We get a parable about a childhood friend, Shimon, who ends up making the cross used on him. Jesus forgives him, of course. It is saved by being brave enough to not be intimidated, by being honest enough to not be bribed. And when we fail, it is saved one act of forgiveness at a time. So Sunstar has become the student. I'm sure strict theologians will have an issue with this, but the raw, edgy quality of the writing is what Vertigo was known for. Well, before we get out of here, it's time to play America's fastest-growing new game show. Guess who's on the cover of Entertainment... Monthly. (laughs) It is our first monthly issue of Entertainment (laughs) Weekly. So, Mark, are you ready to guess? I'm ready. Okay, I'm pressing the button. Go. TV-related? Yes. Uh, Is it one show on the cover? Yes. Is it uh, a show on a network, a broadcast network? Yes. Is it on ABC? No. NBC? No. CBS? No. Fox? No. CW? Yes. One show on CW. Is it a new show? No. So it's an. Is it a show that's currently on the air? Yes. Uh, is it DC related? Yes. Is it Arrow? No. Is it Flash? No. Supergirl? No. 
Legends of Tomorrow? Yes! Wow, how did Legends of Tomorrow get a cover? I know! <laughs> well, it's entirely possible that there were multiple covers and that our cover was Legends and that the other one was the other DC oh, okay. things because they were talking about the um, crossover coming up. Okay. So, but ours was Legend. It was uh, White Canary. Oh, so. okay. All right. There you go. Katie Lots. Okay. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.